Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Welcome this morning to Crossview Church and Easter morning. What an exciting day today is. Today is one of the most important days in the life of the church. Today is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and the moment when we all were saved from uh, death eternal and we were given new life filled with purpose. You see, we believe that God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ, that God put on flesh and blood. And we said this back at Christmas time, but we recognize that God had a face, that God had a voice. He walked our streets He breathed our air. God became one of us. And then Jesus did something that none of us can do. He took onto himself all the things that separated us from God. All of our rejection of God. uh, All of the sin and the mistakes in our life. And all of that died with Jesus that day. And it stayed dead. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He didn't stay in the grave. Being fully God, he took up his life. He rose from the dead and invited us to begin a renewed relationship full of life with him. A clean slate and a purpose-filled life. Incredible. So we celebrate today. We sing and we pray and we praise that Christ is risen. And as we reflect on what Jesus did for us, I want to take us this morning into the story on the day of Jesus' resurrection. A moment in the middle of this incredible story with Jesus himself that someone almost missed what was happening. The thing I love about this story is that we can all relate to what happened. But in the end, Jesus does something so powerful and so personal that it's hard to believe. And the point is that I believe that Jesus is still doing this today. So we're going to look closely at part of the story with a person named Mary Magdalene. Now there's a few Marys in the story of Jesus, so let me give you a few reminders. Mary Magdalene appears in all four Gospels as a follower of Jesus at critical moments in Jesus' story. According to scripture, she's been with him for some time. Look at what it says in Luke 8, verses 1 and 2. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. In Mark 15, verses 40 through 41, we read, Some women were there, watching at a distance, including Mary Magdalene, the mother of James the Younger and of Joseph, and Salome. They had been followers of Jesus and had cared for him while he was in Galilee. Many other women who had come with him to Jerusalem were also there. So we know Mary was a follower of Jesus and had been seen, she had seen, she had even experienced Jesus do incredible things, even in her life. She was a disciple, a follower, a friend of Jesus. And as we'll see today, she was there at Jesus' crucifixion. In fact, she was standing next to Jesus' mother, also named Mary. And it's this Mary who was one of the first to visit Jesus' tomb and to witness Jesus' resurrection. But here's the important part. She almost missed it. She almost missed what was happening. 
On Easter morning, there's this exchange between the risen Jesus and Mary Magdalene that is so precious and so powerful that it captures the energy and the implications of our focus today. So I'd like to give a little bit of a cultural context to what is happening here before we move on because understanding some of the cultural context will help us better understand the power of this moment between Mary and the risen Jesus. So ancient Jews believed that eventually God was going to send a Messiah, that 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 God was going to send someone to rescue them, someone to save them and to restore the nation of Israel to the grandeur and the glory of the old days. King David's time. So if you've read any of the Old Testament, you know that the Israelites or the people that God chose to work through had been through the ringer. That's putting it mildly. We also know that God had plans to to rescue humanity and that that went beyond Israel itself to all of us. But year after year went by, century after century, and no Messiah, no Savior, at least not in the way that they expected. There were some wannabe messiahs, and there were some people who tried to be the messiah, but it never worked out. Again, not like they had expected. The Jewish people remembered that God had promised to save them, and they were still waiting for that. And then then Jesus of Nazareth stepped onto the pages of history. This Jesus guy began to teach and preach, it says, with extraordinary authority. He taught in rhymes and he taught in parables. And sometimes he was really crystal clear and at other times, not so much. Religious leaders tried to trick him and trap him because as Jesus began to teach, he stirred up the crowds and he challenged the religious norms of the day, the the regular expectations of the way that things should work and how they were doing things. He did wondrous miracles, and he talked a lot about the kingdom of God. He ate with people you weren't supposed to eat with. He sat with people you weren't supposed to sit sit with. Could this be the Messiah? The crowds made the Romans nervous, and Jesus' teachings made the religious leaders angry. But the last straw was when Jesus actually raised a man from the dead, a precursor to what was about to happen. It was a man that everybody knew a famous and wealthy man from the village of Bethany, and his name was Lazarus. And Jesus raising him from the dead showed everyone who he was, his power, that he was God. It's an incredible story. And when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the crowd went wild. The crowd began to grow and to grow and to tell everyone that they have found the Messiah. The religious leaders realized that they had to do something. And so it says in John 11, 46 through 48, listen to this. Then the leading priests and the Pharisees called the high council together. What are we going to do? They asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation pretty fascinating to see what was happening in their in their minds as they thought about Jesus. So I'd like to jump ahead in the story quite a bit. The religious leaders' plans that they put in place, it worked. Jesus was turned into the authorities by one of his closest friends. He was arrested, he was put on trial, and he was crucified by the Romans. Just a few days ago on Good Friday, we remembered that story through, through scripture, famous uh, images of Christian art and music online. Powerful time. 
After Jesus died on the cross, he was buried. His followers were left asking themselves some really hard questions. Maybe they were thinking, what just happened? Jesus claimed to be the Messiah and we believed him. He said all these things. He did all this stuff. He talked about who he was. He did incredible miracles, but now he's dead and he's buried. I wonder if they're asking themselves, did we get this wrong? He said he was the the way, the truth, and the life. Well, the way, the truth, and the life can't die, right? He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Well, if you're the resurrection and the life, then you can't die. Messiahs aren't supposed to be crucified. At least that's what we thought, right? (laughs) Was the game over? Is there anything left to hold on to? What's going to happen to our movement? Fascinating to think about the disciples thinking about these things. And what's fascinating about reading the Gospels is that no one outside of the tomb uh, was standing there counting down from 10 on Easter morning. Every single narrative of Jesus' followers at this point are all wondering, what now? Maybe you've not thought about this before, but at this point in the story, Jesus is, even Jesus' closest followers are not expecting a resurrection. John 20 verse 1 tells us, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. So now remember, Mary was a follower of Jesus, healed by Jesus. And one of those people that had high hopes that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was, in fact, everything he claimed to be. And so she woke up early that morning. And even though it's likely her heart was broken, she's confused. She doesn't know what's happening. None of this makes sense. She decides to go to the tomb. And here's the most important part. What did she expect to find? She expected to find a body. John tells us that when she got there, she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And now, what might her assumption be at this point? That Jesus is alive? That he's risen from the dead? No, Mary saw the tomb open, the stone rolled away, and she assumed that someone had broken into the tomb and stolen Jesus's body. She was not expecting a resurrection. Nobody was expecting a resurrection because even though Jesus talked about it, it wasn't something that just happened and it wasn't very clear what he was saying. So the text tells us she saw the open tomb and she went running back through the city to find Simon Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved because she sees the empty tomb and she doesn't think right away, that means he's alive. She tells the others, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Isn't this fascinating? Jesus had a lot of enemies, enemies that lied about him and and had paid witnesses uh, to, to, to have him crucified. And I'm sure the disciples knew that if one of Jesus's enemies had discovered where the body was buried, that they might try to break into that tomb and take the body. So when Mary saw the empty tomb, she assumed the worst. To the disciples, it probably seemed like things were going from bad to worse. First, Jesus was taken as a prisoner. Then he was tried and he was crucified. Now someone had stolen his body. It seems as though Peter and John at this point don't know what to think. So it says that they get up and they run through the city. They they run out the gate to where the tomb was. And they want to see with their own eyes. They need to look. So it says that they look into the tomb and sure enough, nobody's there. 
The scripture tells us that John got to the tomb first and it says that he looked in and he believed. The text doesn't say anything more about Peter, but it says that after they looked in the tomb, they went home. And so here's Mary, Mary Magdalene. Whether she's there at that point or slowly makes her way back to the tomb after she told them the first time, she stays there. And it says that she stood outside the tomb crying, weeping. Just imagine the emotion. This man had changed her life completely. He was innocent and they crucified him, her Lord, her Savior. And maybe she's thinking, here was the greatest man that had ever lived. Here is the man who touched people that no one would touch, spent time with people that no one would spend time with. He changed the lives of people and the world, and now he's gone. Where do I turn? I wonder if she's thinking that. What do I do? Who can I trust? And as she wept, and this is so powerful, she bent over and she herself looked into the tomb. And as she looked into the tomb, she saw two angels, it says, robed in white. One seated where Jesus' Jesus head had been and the other where his feet had been. And they looked at her and they asked Mary a question. Why are you crying? And just listen to what she says. She's just heartbroken. Imagine the gut-wrenching trauma of this moment. She looks back at the angels and she says, they've taken him. Again, she doesn't think that Jesus rose from the dead. She still believes that someone had stolen the body and she says, they've taken my Lord and I don't know where they've put him. And then she hears something stirring behind her and John says, and don't miss this, this is so powerful, that she turned around. She saw Jesus, the risen Jesus, standing there, but it says that she didn't recognize who he was. Now we don't know why she didn't recognize him, Maybe it was still dark. Maybe there was too much shade. Maybe uh, he was too far away, standing too far away. Or, or maybe he, was, uh, he, he looked different somehow. But it says that she doesn't recognize Jesus. So it's likely maybe she turns to take one last look inside before she's about to leave. And I wonder if Jesus at this point has a huge grin on his face because he knows that Mary is moments away from a realization that will change her life forever. It will change her heart. It will change her mind. It will overwhelm her emotions. It will confuse her intellect. And, it, and in a moment, she will be overcome with faith. Because if Jesus is alive, everything changes. Maybe with a grin on his face, he asked her the same question that the angels asked, but he gives her a clue to the fact that maybe she should pay attention to what's going on around her, who's talking to her. He says to her, why are you crying? And I'm sure she's having to just withhold all of this emotion being asked again. Uh, And then he says to her, who is it, who is it that you're looking for? And then John writes this, and I think this may be one of those funny moments in the Gospels uh, that we maybe miss because we often read it so seriously. John writes that she thought that Jesus was the gardener. Just think about it. It's really fun. Mary probably gets to tell the story for the rest of her life. And I'm guessing people would say to her, it's you. You're the Mary that got to see the empty tomb. You're the Mary that saw Jesus first. Tell us that story. Tell us what happened. And maybe when she got to this part of the story, she would say, and you're not going to believe it. I'm staring into this tomb and I'm talking to this guy behind me and I thought he was the gardener. And everybody laughs. (laughs) You can just imagine that, right? 
So she looks at him, she looks at Jesus and she says, Sir, if you have carried him away, if you know where he is, would you tell me and I will go and get him? <laughs> and I wonder, uh, does Jesus chuckle in this moment? Does, does he pause for a moment as he's looking at Mary? I would love to know because what Jesus does next is the moment we've been waiting for. It's this precious and powerful moment that'll define Mary's life and change the world. Jesus looks at her and simply says, Mary. He calls her by name. And when she hears her name, she hears a familiar voice. A voice that she's known, a voice that she's walked with and has followed and has loved. And when she hears that voice, you can just imagine what, must, what she must have felt in that moment. Maybe she gets short of breath. Maybe her eyes grow wide as she becomes to realize what's happening. Maybe her heart starts to race. Her mind explodes with realization. And maybe she's thinking, wait, can it really be? She puts it all together and everything changes. And the text says that she turns toward him and she cries out a word that means my Lord, my master, my savior, and my teacher. And she runs toward Jesus. Just imagine. And then Jesus tells her that he's not quite done, that there's a little bit more to do before his work is done. And he tells her, go tell everybody else. Hey, Mary, he says, I know you've already been to the city once, but I need you to go back. And this time you're not going to tell them that the tomb, you're, you're going to tell them that the tomb has been opened and you know exactly where the body is. It's time for a completely different message. And so Mary went to the disciples with news. I have seen the Lord. He is risen. And this changes everything. This morning, as we've entered into this story, this message is for us. The invitation of Jesus to Mary is an invitation to you as well. Could it be that there's a God with a love so wide, so deep, so vast, so high, so expansive, so welcoming, so inclusive, that he gives everything for you and for me, that he gives everything to us, that he stands there and he calls your name. As we realize who Jesus is and what he's done for us, my question for you today is simply, is Jesus calling your name? The story is so powerful, and I believe that Jesus still does this. Could it be for you today? I want to encourage you to follow Mary's example, to respond and believe. Jesus, God in flesh and blood, has given everything to you, a new way of life, a new way to have an ongoing relationship with God, with the, forgive, the offer of the forgiveness of our sin and love like you've never experienced. He doesn't just consider you one of the masses. He knows you. He sees you and he calls you by name. Come, see and believe. And then go and tell everyone that we are made new. Everything has changed. Christ is risen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today for this powerful message of what you have done. You put on flesh and blood. You came down to, the, to be with us. You took on our sin. You took on those things that separate us from you. And you put them to death with you on a cross. Those things stayed dead, but you, proving that you were God, took up your life again. 
And now you invite us through faith to have faith in you. Uh, And that by having that faith in who you are, Jesus, we can be made new. We can be refreshed. We can be made clean. We could be connected with the heart of God and experience the life that we were always intended to. Be filled with your presence. God, I want that for everybody who's listening today. So Jesus... I pray that you soften hearts this morning, that people will respond to you calling their name, that they will experience that in this moment, in their heart and in their mind right now, that they will hear you, feel you, drawing you, drawing them to you and calling their name. I believe in you, Jesus, and I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. And I thank you for the love that I experience, the purpose that you've given us all, and the hope that there is for the world around us. We love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. We all pray together, amen.